From deep in the heart of Texas, it's time to chain fire some freedom with another episode of the Clover Tack Podcast. Listen in as we have a conversation with people from the firearm industry and community. Are you ready for the show? We are too. Let's go. What's up, crew? It is as May the 3rd. May the 3rd. Yeah, tomorrow is the 4th. Sorry, it's May the 4th, Star Wars Day. So, uh, May 3rd, we've got Gabby Franco in the house, as the title says. It's been a while since we've had her on a podcast, so we're going to see what all she's been up to. Uh, and uh, she stays pretty busy, so it should be a lot to talk about today. Before we get to that, though, a little bit of house cleaning. Uh, this podcast powered by our good friends over at MTM Case Guard. Uh, if you're an outdoorsman, if you're a reloader, uh, if you're an archer, they probably got some injection molded plastic products. They've been in that business for years. They're a leader in that sector of the industry. Uh, they got some cool stuff. So go check out all they have to offer over there. MTM Case Dash Guard. Let me say that again one more time without stumbling. MTMCaseGuard.com. Don't forget that dash. Uh, and if you use code CloverTac, it's going to save you 10% on all the things over there that you just can't live without. So I um, want to say thank you to, as always, the Patreon patrons, the YouTube channel members, those at shop, clovertech.com slash shop, those at Super Chat, those at Super Thanks. Uh, we really appreciate all of you folks for the support out there uh, and proud to be a member of Professional Outdoor Media Association, Palma. Uh, as well as the Farms Radio Network and Rapid Fire Radio Network, which is powered by uh, Cape Gunworks. So if you get a chance, go check out Cape Gunworks and uh, tell them thank you for uh, starting up that new radio network. We've got Ace out there already. He says, where's Top Shot Gabby? Well, we're bringing her in right now, as a matter of fact, and uh, kick this conversation off. How are you, lady? Hey, Clover, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. So let's let's start out because even though Ace out there knows obviously who you are, and <laughs> I think that if people don't, then uh, they obviously should. Uh, but for those people that may not know who you are, I'm going to give you a minute, just kind of run down uh, a little bit of a list of who is Gabby Franco. Well, I am an Olympian. I participated in the Olympic Games in Sydney 2000. I came to the United States in 2002 uh, with the uh, Extraordinary Ability Visa, which was approved due to my extensive um, career and successful career in Olympic shooting. I participated in Top Shot in two seasons, season four and season five. I was the only woman who, had, who got to the latest portion of the competition, so I have a green shirt. Um, I shoot for, I shoot competitively for Walther Arms. I shoot a Walther PDPF series, and I shoot also for Primary Arms, uh, primaryarms.com. Uh, most of you know me or have heard about me due to my advocacy and for the Second Amendment, support of the Second Amendment, constant push, pushing people to do the same, more than just me being doing it. I, I I encourage people to do more of it. Right. And uh, yeah, Ace out there, he says, uh, he says, yes, sir. She should have won top shot. <laughs> I agree with that. A <laughs> uh, lot of great competitors. A lot of great people have, uh, have come through that. I know we talked on when I had you on the podcast a few years back 
Uh, we talked about that. A lot of great, uh, great people, uh, great talent, great and, shooters. And fun, and fun people too, you know. Uh, you know, I've had the pleasure to to hang out with all, well, most of them. Some of them just literally disappear. They, you know, fade <laughs> Well, they away. have lives. They have <laughs> lives, right? Um, That's true. I, I, I commend you. I have a lot of respect for you with the 2A advocacy uh, that you do, activism, if you will. Uh, and also Chris Chang. Chris Chang is another yes. one of those top shot uh, shooters that went on to do and is currently doing a whole lot in the yes. uh, in the two A space, which is great to see folks take that platform right and do use you it know? Do you know, by the way, that Chris Chang has Cuban family members, like oh, his dude, grandmother I... or his mother, like very close family member who who came from Cuba. So uh, something that people don't you know don't think about those things, but he has really close ties with. Um, I want to say close ties, but understanding of, you know, mm -hmm. family members leaving uh, oppression and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, I know Chris was really well. I, yeah, I'll talk to him pretty regular. And I didn't know that. That's something <laughs> new to me. So, well, you know, next time you new. need to ask him. Right. Right. I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to use that to pick on him. It's, I got to figure out a really good way <laughs> to pick on him about that. Uh, I may ask him about a Cuban cigar or something if he's got one and see. And, see and he, says. and he, slightly, you know, I, I mean, I haven't talked to him a lot in Spanish, but I know he speaks like Spanish too. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Oh, he's a very well educated individual for sure. Uh, He's very, very bright, very, very sharp. But we're not here to talk about Chris. We Chris <laughs> on we're here to talk about Gabby. So I know you've been going through um, some, I don't want to say medical, but I mean, you had what was an ACL injury, I guess oh, it, yeah. was. Uh, it was. What happened? Told... What happened with that? Was that a competition well, I... thing or? <laughs> no, I tore my ACL doing martial arts. Oh, that'll and... do it. Well, but before you, you know, a sound cooler than what actually happened <laughs> like always right you know you, you always think in your head that you know you wish you could say this, this something amazing story about it but the That's truth right. is that it was my second day <laughs> doing martial arts oh wow and, okay yes and my first day um the the sensei or the coach i don't know exactly how you know they they were telling me that I was doing so good i was doing great and i'm like you know building that confidence on my second day. <laughs> so my second day um and and mind that we were i was the new one of the new ones mm -hmm. and most of them were teenagers so i'm the oldest with among the teenagers right. and the girls were just kicking like very gently and we, this is this is the, the end of the class and she the the coach uh, divided us into the boys and the girls and it was going to be a competition that was the word that you know put me here now uh -oh. competition right and so seeing the girls kind of pushing a little bit softly i was just trying to compensate for that and did not pay attention what i was doing just trying to rush into things and i sure enough i felt my knee this this um uh, and my leg my you know like this and i was wow. like oh my lord i tried to kind of one step mm -hmm. thinking okay it was just something uncomfortable no again so i dropped on the floor and uh i walked I, that was the end of the class and i just actually walked from there to my car oh wow <laughs> and um and I drove myself to the ER because I was like, okay, this is definitely not normal. Right. But it was very interesting. Um, 
I mean, I don't wish that to anybody, but I was fascinated. I have to say I was fascinated because normally when I have had like a, I had torn my calf, you know, sports, when you're in sports, right. you get injured sooner or later. And um, I always felt like a pain. Sometimes I wouldn't know what happened. But in this case, to me, it was fascinating because it was like my brain gave me a snapshot of how my bones move. Like I knew the direction of my move bones moved i felt in in it helps like i saw it so i was fascinated mm. about that right and it what is the what's the recovery been like it's been very good so there's there was a, a six months difference be, i mean time frame between my injury to my uh surgery i was not happy about that i was pushing wow. to get the surgery sooner but i have to say though i think it was a um uh, how you say, like a blessing in disguise. Right. Because I went through a process, not only um, I recover physically, but also mentally. So I went from, oh my goodness, I, you know, I, I got badly injured. I don't know what's going to happen. Would I be able to do what I normally do with this injury? To then, okay, I'm getting better. I can walk. I now I can work out. A month after my injury, I was doing, I did, I started doing, I mean, I started rowing. And I was doing 5,000 meters in the row, no problems. Wow. By the time before my surgery, I was, you would see me on the street and you would never guess something happened to me. I could put my foot, bend my knee 100%, the same way I would bend my other leg, my other mm -hmm. knee. So it was, there was a lot of similarities on, on those things. Like I was almost 100% on both legs. I couldn't do certain movements, obviously, because of the twisting. Mm -hmm. So when I came back to surgery and I did a lot of research, I'm not talking about Google research. <laughs> I did actual research, like studies, like what mm -hmm. makes a successful recovery on my type of surgery. And uh, it turned out that it was very, very helpful, like working a lot on my, uh, my quads, uh, getting strong, like physically strong, going to the gym every day. Uh, I talked to physical therapists to prepare me for surgery, not just to walk normal, just prepare me for surgery. So the exercises I, I did after post-op, post -op, I had already been doing those exercises three months in advance. So I was so ahead of the game. Um, that prompted me, especially working on my um, hips, muscles around my hips, my glutes, that two days, I mean, two day, a day after, actually, a day after surgery, I started walking with no crutches, like no wow. crutches. I had my brace locked, but I was to be able to walk without crutches. Um, so uh, also, I think it was very instrumental, uh, not only the eyes and elevating my leg, but how I elevated my leg. So most people think about elevating the leg, you know, just putting pillows underneath and just, you know, resting the leg on, on, on the pillows. And, and that sounds fine and dandy. But one key element that I kept reading throughout all the research I did is that the, the first thing that you need to achieve is full extension, making sure that your leg could extend completely. Uh, and most people struggle with that. And I was doing my analysis and I thought, of course, if you just put pillows under your leg, your bend is all, your knee is always bent. Even if it's so slightly, it's always bent. So I bought a, um, an inflatable wedge. It's just like a wedge. 
but it's inflatable that most people use for their bags to read on, on in the bed or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so the wedge kept my leg straight. And I put a, um, that's from the day I arrived from the hospital. I wow. put a roll, like a um, towel. I rolled a towel and put it under my foot to hype, to, you know, uh, promote a, somewhat a hyperextension. Right. And so I seven, so minded that from day two, the day after my surgery, I was already walking. By day seven, the physical therapy unlocked my, my, my knee breaks. Mm-hmm. And by day 14, I was already at home walking without crutches. Wow. I mean, the brace, without the brace. Without the brace. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, but I have to say, there are many things that um, I had to come into uh, realization. For instance, I did not take medication um, at all, not even pay medication. A lot of ice. Ice kept me from doing that. But also um, defining what is discomfort to pain, accepting mm-hmm. discomfort. Because I think most people prefer, and obviously it's ideal, no feeling, feeling nothing at all. Like, right. I don't feel anything. I, I thought the other way around. I was like, okay, I feel discomfort. Can I deal with it? Yes. You know, pain, if I'm like about to cry, if I'm in a fetal <laughs> position, okay, right. that's not acceptable, right? right. But if it's something is discomfort, I can take it. Do you think that sometimes people just don't want to feel anything? Mm-hmm. Well, and it, it's, I think it's bad when, when you take pain medication and it covers up either discomfort or pain um, because those things are, is your, that's your body telling you something's wrong. Right. Right. So you need a certain amount of discomfort and pain to understand first that something's wrong. If you just take medicine to to numb the discomfort or the pain, then you don't really get an understanding of what's going on a lot of times. So in your case, it was different. You were already diagnosed. You had the surgery a little bit different. But uh, first, figure out what's wrong. (laughs) And then if you do have that pain, sure, that's why those medications are there. Right, but even to that point, when I got my injury, when I got injured, I didn't know what it was because when I went to the ER, they didn't do an MRI. They just mm-hmm. did an X-ray and they figured out, okay, I do not have any fractures, but they didn't know, you know, if it was the MCL, ACL, or all the L's, right? <laughs> Which mm-hmm. ligament it was, or right. what was wrong with my with my knee. Um, so what I did, you know, was testing, like testing the waters. You know, I was walking the first day with crouches. The second day, I was like, okay, can I put weight on my on my foot? Okay, I can do that. On the third day, I was like, I was done with the crouches because I had to go up and down stairs. So I was like, can I actually walk slowly? Yes. So by two weeks after my injury, without knowing what was wrong with me, you could see me on the street and you would never guess that I had something that got injured. Even my husband hesitated. He was like, are you sure there's something wrong with you? I'm like, listen, I know there's something wrong with me because I cannot do certain movements. Like this Mm -hmm. is not normal. But um, I didn't even know what was wrong uh, until a month that I got my MRI. So I think it's also important to listen to your body, meaning, okay, and get out of the fear, you know, just test the waters, you know, understand uh, discomfort, accept discomfort. If you accept discomfort, I think you can move forward faster. 
Right. We've got a couple of people out there, Ghost and Ace, both said they've had uh, issues with ACL. So uh, I know that's a pretty common thing. And that probably was the reason you were able to find so much research. Yes, I did. I mean, for instance, to give an example, one of the research, and I read a lot of studies, not not just, you know, like I said, no Google research studies. (laughs) And some of the studies said that uh, most people, when they have these injuries, they literally stop. They stop working out. And so they forget that while one leg is injured, the 80% of their body needs to, still needs to, to keep right. on going. You know right. what I mean? Right. So uh, at the beginning, I would do exercises. Uh, even after surgery, I went back to the gym on day five. That's when I started going to the gym. My uh-huh. knee was locked with my brace. So I was not doing anything with my knee, but I was doing uh, like a pistol squat training pistol squats with my right leg, uh, doing upper body strength because the upper body strength helped me move around. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, my husband could have carried me if he, if, I had, if he had to up and down the stairs and stuff, but feeling that confidence that I could move around, like I could, you know, go in the shower by myself, uh, getting on the floor and back on the chair when playing with my son because my son is six years old, you know? Mm-hmm. I could say, oh, no, I cannot do these things, but... Uh, my son is like, mama, color with me, play with me. Uh, and being able to do those things on my own, it was huge for me. Um, so yes, ACL. And so another thing, another in the other studies that I read was that you had the, the people who the injured leg, the quad was at least 90% as strong as the other leg from before surgery, so they were able to maintain that strength, uh, they had more chances, they had better outcomes. Also, those who had more range of motion before surgery, they had better outcomes. Um, So to me, like I say, it was not only physically I was good, but mentally. So those six months difference, uh, was uh, I was able to go from, I don't know what's going to happen, I'm getting better, I'm good, to I'm ready for this, you know, come on, you know, <laughs> I'm ready for surgery. There's one thing that my insurance, um, I'm sorry if it's too loud. Is it too loud? Ah, you're fine. Okay. So uh, one thing that my insurance approved is something called SAM. It's an ultrasound. It's an ultrasound system. Um, it's a low uh, wave, you know, ultrasound that I wear every day. And so it's just a loan from the insurance, but I'm loving it. It uh, improves the blood flow and it helps like makes the environment for all your cells to work better, oxygenates the cells and also cleans all the waste. So, you know, ultrasound therapy is very good in general, but because normally when we see, when we go to physical therapies, they use the regular ultrasound with the, you know, the gel and they just, they can only do it for maybe a few minutes because it's so hot. Right. This device has been a blessing too. So, you know, understanding all those things, doing my research prior surgery uh, and knowing I think one of the biggest things that most people expect is that the doctor tells them everything, which is good. You know, there's many things I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But just the fact that some people, so if you are able to do a research in understanding how is the healing process, you see how my graft, right, go from necrosis 
and then the the cells attack that with the inflammation and they try to repopulate that that that, that graft mm-hmm. and and also uh, heal. I mean, we call it heal it, but it's basically making it part of my body. That's basically what's happening. When you understand that process, it helps you put into context what you feel physically, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like I feel good, but at the same time, I understand what's happening at the cellular level. Means makes me think more what I should do, what things, how hydration, what things I need to, uh, how I need to work out and exercise to make my uh, healing process better. Mm-hmm. So we've got uh, we got a question out there about the ACL. Uh, yes. Before we before we get to that, um, keep putting the questions out there. I don't want to derail the conversations with questions that are kind of off our topic. As we get into two A, as we get into the competition, as we get into other things, I'll bring the other questions up. So just be patient with those. But Ghost, he says, uh, did did you use material from your body or a cadaver for the ACL repair? So I did. I use a uh, cadaver. Uh, which is called the allograft. Um, I was, you know, offered the other option, just going with my, um, from, from my body. But then I chose not to because of the recovery time. It takes more time to recover. Uh, one thing, though, that my doctor, which I didn't know it was an option. I had no idea. But my, my doctor, on my first post-op, he showed me all the pictures and, you know, the inside of my knee, everything was good and nice. And he said at the end, by the way, because you told me that you're an athlete, I put a thick uh, allograft. Oh, okay. So I don't know the thickness of it, but I thought it was interesting because I've never heard of, you know, I thought of it as it's just an allograft. I didn't know there was, they could choose. Oh, you get a thick <laughs> right. one or a thin one or something like that. So yeah. I was happy about that. Well, well, don't tell you, we won't tell your competitors that because then they'll <laughs> accuse you of cheating. Uh, uh, right. We'll, we'll cut that part out. That didn't happen. <laughs> um, Jumping back to, you know, all of this started, you said you you started out with martial arts uh, and I didn't want to interrupt you, but what, what discipline, what martial arts discipline were you, were you starting? Well, to tell the truth, it's just my son is in martial arts. Oh, yes. And, um, and he's, you know, the, he's, oh, the academy, they do a lot of things, but they kind of tailor a lot of jujitsu stuff. Okay. Um, And so my father, he followed our steps. You know, he, if we started shooting, he became a, an Olympic shooter. When my brother started tennis, my dad started tennis. So I really love that. And I wanted to do that, but I got, I, my idea got short. Right. <laughs> than I expected. Yeah. Now, through all of this and the injury, how's that affected the shooting competition side of, of what you're doing? It has affected a lot because, you know, even when I got injured, I even tried to do steel challenge, which worked for a little bit, except on the movements. I started too, too soon. And so when I moved from one position to another, which is not even much of, <laughs> it's probably six, five, six, six steps. Yeah, six right. feet or something. It's, yeah. it's very short. But my brain, even though my mind said, oh, just walk, you know, because I didn't want to take all the penalties. Just mm-hmm. walk. Uh, my brain had another idea as soon as I did ping ping and I first a final shot my brain said go and it took me literally like a good I don't know 30 seconds to recover once I got to the other box and then from there I said you know what 
I'm gonna take all the penalties <laughs> and I took all the penalties but um uh it was you know other than that you know draft firing um and I'm, I'm already signed up for two major matches mm-hmm. in June uh it's gonna be area four USPSA and national so and actually this weekend I signed up last night for this weekend a local match so will I be wa- running no, <laughs> no. <laughs> right. I'll be the slowest, you know, walking kind of movement shooter. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought it was important for me to step up and do it. I think there's so many people right. who get, who hesitate from going into competitions because they are, you know, they're not, they're slow. They cannot move. They have injured or they're older or whatever you want to call it. And why, you know, why right. I'm literally able um, I can walk. I can't. I'm not. I'm pr- protecting my 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 surgery and everything. I'm not supposed to run for I think about four to six months, um, and I'm already into five weeks. Okay, only five weeks. Right. But uh, why not keep doing what I love to do? I think even mentally it would be exciting. I'm not gonna be looking at this course. I don't care about it. I will focus on other things. I can focus on my draw. I can focus on shooting mm-hmm. my transitions. I can focus on how to do my mag changes. I can focus on my strategy. Um, so there are many things, many positives that I can focus on instead of just focusing on what I cannot do. So I think it would be a good example for others who feel discouraged because mm-hmm. they are, oh, I'm the low of the pack or uh, I cannot do as fast as other people. I'm like, well, but there's so many other things that we can focus on by not doing it. Right. Um, and you've got the fun, right? And the yeah. community and visiting with everybody, getting to yes. see everybody. So you've got that that aspect too. Um, exactly. Since we're kind of on that. Oh, let me ask real quick. So yeah. with, with Team Walther, um, you've got you, Tatiana, and Michelle? Yes. Okay. Just making sure I was I was right with it. I get those teams mixed up. So yeah, many, well, so Tatiana, Tatiana is more like under defense uh, division. Mm-hmm. Uh, she doesn't necessarily shoot competitively, but she, you know, teaches all over the country and she does great stuff. And mm-hmm. um, uh, Michelle Waldron, she uh, competes a lot of on three gun and two gun stuff. Um, and obviously, me, I do USDSA and that kind of stuff. But I'm also going to start doubling into when I. I want to start doubling to PRS. Okay. Um, nice. That yeah, it would be a to me it would be great because even though I like USPSN and all that stuff, PRS allows me to continue doing something that I really like, like shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we and, and not feeling that I'm so disadvantaged because I I don't have to run with the rifle. You know, it's more positioning right. and getting my shot. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to that too. Give you know boost, boost a little bit more of that confidence. Right. Well, and, and precision, that's what you did with Olympic competition back in the day, right? Yes, I did. Well, I did much more like pistol shooting. It was pistol, not rifle, yeah, but it was still no that that slow yeah. fire precision. So yeah, kind of getting kind of getting back to your roots a little bit with that too. Yes, and I and I and I love it because you know as we know it is especially with rifle to me, it's more like a, it's going to be more like a learning experience. You know, mm-hmm. like I tell people long range, I'm talking about, you know, precision rifle, long range mm-hmm. rifle is more than, you know, knowing your fundamentals and know how to pull the trigger. There's a lot of knowledge behind it. And so I have so much respect for that discipline. 
and right. and having that knowledge or knowledge as a you know learning about it you know uh on on my bucket on my bucket of tools and and all that i i, I can't wait to do that right um ace out there let's get a, get a couple of these questions in before we move on but ace says i've got to ask gabby what her favorite gun is Oh man, that's a that's a very very hard question. I always tell people it depends what I'm gonna what I'm gonna do. You know, it's like asking me for my favorite shoes. <laughs> right. Depends. You know, I have my Louboutins or I have my tennis shoes. But um, right now I'm really loving the the PDPF series. I have small hands and that pistol. I thought it was gonna be huge change between having the the steel frame, which is heavy and mm -hmm. helps with recoil management. And the small one, and no, grip is everything. Uh, I, I never realized until I have a gun that I could shoot competitively that fits right my hand because, you know, those literally never existed that were competitive guns. Right. Um, AR-15s, I love the versatility of an AR-15. I love two-gun shooting. Um, I just can't divide my time and my efforts on, <laughs> right. on just a few activities, but... Uh, I love ARs. Um, they're my fascination. And for precision shooting, I have my uh, uh, 6.5 Creedmoor. I have my GA Precision 6.5 Creedmoor. So, yeah. Okay. Very nice. Uh, now, Ron out there, following up kind of on that, he said, what's your favorite caliber? Well, for what? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know? exactly. Right. Um, if we were talking about concealed care, I really like 9 millimeter. Um and I would be even willing to go 380 just for the pure facts that I'm tiny and for concealed carry a gun, still nine millimeter. Um, some those guns are a little bit larger for me. Uh, but overall, handgun, I enjoy nine millimeter. It's pretty cool. And um, 2011s, I love, well, 20, I love 2011s, by the way, too. Right. <laughs> I love so many guns. But um, 40 caliber is a fun. Uh, you know, round to shoot on a 2011 with a thumb rest, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and um, for rifle, you know, 6.5 crane mortars, so some people like it, some people hate it. I just really like that. I'll never forget, I was shooting uh, offhand. This is a big rifle, okay? Mm -hmm. um, and and I was shooting this rifle like this, like we shoot a precision shooting, Olympic shooting rifle. Mm -hmm. And I felt behind the gun that the rifle was just doing this, right? <laughs> I'm just trying to hold this beast. And I had a target, I think 150 yards, 100 yards, uh, steel target, I don't remember how big it was. But it didn't matter how wobbly it felt on my hands. Every time I pulled the trigger, I could hear ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was like, this gun is like, let me close my eyes. I'm going to hit the target. Oh, that's uh, it's not good. So, it's, so, <laughs> it's so flat. Right. It's so yeah. flat. Um, it's so good. So right. it, it is such a good, I really like the round. Now you, you obviously shot precision pistol with, with coming up with, uh, Olympics and all of that. Were you exposed to precision rifle at all during your training with that? With Olympic shooting? Yes, I was. In fact, I wanted to shoot Olympic shooting. I mean, Olympic rifle, air mm -hmm. rifle before, I ended up with air pistol. And the reason was that um, 
with uh, those rifles back in the day, we're talking about early 1990s, mid 1990s, uh, they were too heavy. They were around mm -hmm. seven, eight pounds. And think of me if I'm a petite woman, a tiny 11, 12 year old little girl. So right. my coach looked at me and I'm trying to hold this rifle like this and doing my best to hold it. And right. my coach was like, nope, you're not going to shoot that. And, you know, some people will say, oh, but she loves it. She likes it. But at the end of the day, it was the right decision because of my back. I was still developing as a human. Uh, um, and that could have turned into very bad news in the future if I ended up having, you know, back issues. Right. So I stuck with air pistol and, you know, air rifle um still in my heart i love to shoot rifle precision rifle so i guess that's what drives me a little bit more going to prs too right now uh ghost is asking out there he says what do you think of pistol pistol caliber carbines pcc so you know it's funny because when here in virginia when we got here there was a thing about oh they're gonna ban r15s and all that stuff and my husband was like i need to buy one you know the <laughs> perfect excuse he could have buy without sure. saying that but right. you know having a, a a good excuse is always good so always yeah. uh and he bought i don't remember but it was supposed to, to be one of the best 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 and as, until this day still not running well so <laughs> my only thing is that you know, I see them fail all the time in competitions. Um, I want to say all the time. I mean, I have to take that back. There are some people who finally have those rifles tuned in. But I think it takes a while. I think it would be fun. I think it would be fun shooting. I have fun shooting with the 2-2-3. Two, two, um, but obviously, you know, short distance when we do the two-gun competitions. I think it's fun. As long as, you know, you finally tune in your rifle and have it well with the right magazine and all the parts away it is it should be fun we haven't been able we haven't done that two hours so i right. don't have a specific opinion because i haven't shot that yet right Probably this is a, this conversation would be a good excuse now to say okay let's there you make, go. let's get that kind of fixed right. and get it going right uh let's let's shift over we've got a few questions along the the second amendment yeah uh, vein. So let's jump into that because you obviously, as we talked about, you do a lot of Second Amendment activism. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you've been involved with lately uh, that uh, you want to talk about? Well, um, I've been involved with the DC Project. Um, mm -hmm. They are very, um, you know, move move a lot of women around the country to testify on, you know, on their respective cities and capitals about in support of the second amendment so that's great i just came from michigan uh from oh, uh, yes. i was giving a speech at the hillsdale college which i was so excited because i am a huge fan of the hillsdale college particularly their youtube channel mm. i mean when i want to know about history i really like their kind of clean cut uh perspective right. um and so it's it, one of the things i tell people constantly is that you know, they look at me and they say, Gabby, thank you for speaking up. Gabby, thank you for what you do. And and I say, thank you, obviously, for, for, for doing that, for, for for your support. But at the same time, I need you. I need your right. support, too. You know, uh, only one, a few of us cannot do everything. Um, and also, I think we have gotten in the habit of 
you know, hearing stories like mine as if they're unique, which they are, but as if they are the only ones that are important to hear. I, I, I think people who don't have a story like mine, and I have to say sincerely, I wish I didn't have it. You know what I mean? I wish Venezuela didn't went, didn't go down, right down the drain. You know, I mean, yeah, put me here in this wonderful country, and I'm very thankful. But wouldn't you like to stay with your family? Wouldn't you like to to to, to you know have your happy future or how you envisioned how you were when you were a kid, right? And so I tell people also, if, even if you don't have the stories, just the fact that you are a successful gun owner, successful father mother, grandparent, gun owner, that you were taught correctly, that you taught your children correctly, that there's no issues whatsoever. That's a successful story. We need to hear more of those, you know, instead of less. Highlight those positives are as important as highlighting a story like mine, which, you know, shows people what is possibly how bad things can turn, which is real. Um, so I think it's very, very important. I'm also very thankful, you know, my Walther and Primary Arms, my sponsors, because mm-hmm. it's, believe it or not, even in the industry, some companies don't like to talk about politics. They don't oh, like. Oh, yes. Yes, right? They don't oh, like yes. to, they're, 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 you know, the sponsor shooters to engage in that. And Walther Arms, every time I tell them, hey, I'm about to do this, and they're like, go ahead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Yes, I had a, I, I, because I send them a message, hey, I'm going to have an interview with Univision. And, you know, those interviews are not easy. There was one, one of the latest ones I did. The first time I put on my jersey and I, I and I, and I call, I text my contacts at Walther Arms and Primary Arms and say, listen, I, I won't do it if you guys don't feel comfortable with, but I want to wear my jersey because I'm tired of, people to point in the finger at me as if I'm doing something that is wrong. Well, I'm educating people. I'm doing a sport. I'm doing the right things. I can, I should not, and I will not bow down and deny who I am and what I do because some people don't want to understand, don't want to learn. And so, and they were like, yeah, just do it. I'm like, okay, that's awesome. (laughs) So I'm very thankful for that. Um, And, you know, I'm, I'm looking after my injury, a lot of going on with me. Oh, by the way, I just graduated. Oh, nice. Yes, college. Congratulations on that. Later in life, but I did it. What what was the major? Psychology. Psychology, okay. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, Bachelor's in psychology, graduated with honors. So a lot of stuff has going on in the past few months, like March, graduated in March again, my surgery, but I'm also looking forward to creating our organization to to uh, promote and put Spanish content and English content, but have also Spanish content mm-hmm. that people from Latin America understand, get a better grasp of our rights here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, in Latin America, we don't see the Second Amendment or let me put, let me take that back. In, in Latin America, a Second Amendment, a right like the Second Amendment does not exist. Right. You know, and so it's difficult for them to grasp that. And I, I think it's imperative for us to be part of the window that teaches and or teaches people about all of it. Mm-hmm. Now, you were talking earlier, you were talking about the people that that 
don't speak up and that that maybe don't speak out that are mm-hmm. you know firearm owners do you think and especially with the with the psychology aspect now at play what do you think the reasoning is that uh, that people don't step up and they don't speak out or the well, majority of the reason right so i do believe it's obviously part of it of social media and the media in itself that every time you speak up they want to point the finger at you they're going to tell you all oh, the blood in your hands or all that nonsense okay without putting like i had somebody on 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 linkedin that put the same part of my video and the person said oh the devotion for firearms this is what happened and he put an article there um and i'm like i'm about to reply to him right and put for the put things straight but that's a part of the people sometimes get um the pushback for individuals who are don't want to learn or don't want to accept that there's going to be evil people around the world that you cannot control no matter how many levels you put so for those people who don't speak up the first thing i always say just do it just do it because it's right if you have in your heart that you know that you know doing this is not going to harm people more like it's going to educate people do it it's not going to take away rights it's actually going to protect my rights and everyone's even those who are against it is going to protect their rights too then speak up so there is um in my speech in that speech i I talked in um hillsdale college i talk about a paper wrote by albert bandura he's a psychologist and i came across this paper uh, towards the end of my of my degree or my studies. And it was very interesting because he was talking about how his uh, cognitive theory, right? His, his studies were used, uh, uh, a TV producer used that in Mexico. And he used that to create novelas, right? But we, through the novelas, he, he make people accept certain things. Okay, so it's making like stories, making you feel good about doing things. Let's say, for instance, in Africa, for example, the paper talks about that, um, how to that, how to prevent AIDS. Okay, so there's good applications for it. But at the same time, it is to change the perspectives and, and, and paradigm shift in society. So as you can see, it can be used for good but can be also used for other things. And if you and if you look back and you take that paper and I can email you the, the document and the citation so you can put it on this uh, on the description of this video so people can also read about it. You can see how sitcom, you know, how movies, how TV shows are moving in that way. It makes us accept certain things that we deep inside we're not familiar with you know the way they're doing with kids move uh, you know tv shows and kids showing them a path that you're like wait wait a second that goes against family that goes against so many values and Mm so i you know uh those things are important for people to be aware of Uh, and i think that's part part of what's happening um but speaking up is not easy um like i put you know, like I had this <clears throat> interview with this guy, uh, journalist. Some of you have heard of him from Univision, who is Jorge Ramos. That's the one who I think Trump kicked him out of uh, <laughs> because he's very intense. And, um, you know, people in the in the video, in the comments, Hispanics, the, mo- the way they spoke, they don't even live here. 
in the United States and don't understand what the Second Amendment is, mm. um, kept saying stuff about me that, oh my God, you think it's crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, crazy. Like I'm a, well, you know, crazy. And you know what? I replied them with, how can I say this? Understanding that they don't know what right. the Second Amendment is without replying to their to their comments as, oh, you called me this, so I'm gonna call you this. Instead, uh, right. I use instead of instead I use that opportunity to educate them and highlight that yeah, you know, you complain and you think that oh no, selling guns is bad in the United States, but in our countries in Latin America, guns are banned for the most part, and criminal and citizens are at the mercy of criminals. So mm. which one is it? You know what I mean? And so it, it, I think what I tell one of the many things I tell people is that you have to be the adult, being able to engage in conversations instead of using, uh, you know, uh, um, ad hominem, you know, fallacies mm -hmm. um, to engage in conversations, attack the person, don't attack the person, just go right. straight to the point. And even if that person does not change their mind, which is okay, then you somebody who reads that comment they can say oh that person has you know it has a point and one last thing i will say in that in that um in that uh speech one lady came up to me and i think this could be a great example for a lot of people she came up to me and she said there's a lady from uh her neighbor or her neighborhood or her community who is part of this uh, moms and men action or something mm -hmm. there she's very pushing against gun con pushing for gun control and all that stuff and she's like and so this lady came up to me and asked me what can i do to counteract her actions like how can i make her change or see my point of view <clears throat> and then i said you know what sometimes that is a waste of time some mm -hmm. people are just in crutch in what they believe and there's no matter why you can present them the truth in their face and nothing's going to change them so instead this is what i told her instead of fighting trying you know waste your energy trying to change one person's mind change your community by what offering seminars about how to mm -hmm. say you know um having parents safety measures when you have firearms at home and you have kids right. offer free seminars about that offer seminars about people how to educate themselves about shooting. Some people are not ready to go to the gun range. Offer seminars. Offer seminars about gun storage. Offer seminars about shooting itself, just seminar, not even going to the range. And then you are teaching people. Offer seminars about the Second Amendment. I mean, there's so much we can educate the majority. So I told her, if you educate people around you, that person they will have you know there there's no they're not going to have much effect on everything else mm -hmm. you know um and i think that's a better approach that, tr that we're trying to go clash clash against those people who we disagree with mm -hmm. no I, I i love that approach and mm -hmm. you know you brought up the dc project and uh for those that are out there that are not aware definitely go look up the dc project great ladies doing great work uh for the 2a with that but i know that they use the the, the slogan or whatever um Edu educate not legislate yes is that what it is um and that's along the lines of what you're exactly what you're talking about yeah i mean at the end of the day you know when people ask me 
for instance, uh, oh, well, Gabby, you had an exceptional family because your siblings and yourself went to the gun range and you, you know, you, sh you were shooters or you are shooters and you, nothing ended up in, in, you know, no, no, no accidents or anything when you were a child. And then I looked back and I said, okay, was my family only, you know, exceptional? What about my cousins' families who also were part of the team? What about all the hundreds of children who were part of shooting teams around Venezuela? What about all the young people around the world who are shooters and learn how to shoot? Are they all, absolutely all of us exceptional? What about the millions and millions of gun owners in the United States who are responsible? Who are the vast majority? Are they really exceptional? My point is that all of us, and my parents in my case, took a choice, made a choice to be responsible to learn more about it without crunching on people's rights for instance my mother okay my mother she grew up with obviously married with my dad for 40 years wow. all my siblings and i being shooters my mom i learned last year that she never shot a gun i oh, could have wow. you know out wow. of all those years that she took me to the gun range to practices. She took us to competitions. She would wait for us at the, you know, reading her books and stuff. I thought, well, maybe one day I didn't see her, but maybe one day she shot a gun. And she, she simply said, that's not my thing. Mm -hmm. But she understood the benefit of having my dad having concealed carry license when was allowed in Venezuela. And us, as her children, to learn and to pursue a sport that we show that we're good at can you imagine if my mom was like like this that would not like guns and on top of that was like my kids are not gonna have guns we're not gonna have guns at all i wouldn't have gone to the olympic games right i mean just whoa it's mind-blowing how a decision of someone and that's why i have so much respect for my mother who was wise enough to understand i don't like it but that doesn't mean i cannot teach i cannot educate and i cannot let others do great things with it mm -hmm. and so i went to the olympic games i mean think of it it's mind-blowing how us as parents can change the future of our children because of our likings or not liking one thing or another mm -hmm. and and I think that's something that the the anti-2A side, at least the really, um, uh, the, I guess it's the, the polarizing element, right, of the anti-2A side, gets wrong a lot of times is they think that those, the firearm owners, the, the pro-2A uh, advocates and, and activists want to force everybody, right, mm -hmm. to own a gun and to shoot a right. gun. And we're, we don't. If that's not your thing, I, I don't have right. a problem with it. If, if you prefer to, you know, if your shoes are your thing or cars are your thing or whatever, that's fine. Um, just respect, you know, the, the Second Amendment, first of all, that gives me the right to enjoy my firearms. If that I, gives if I us. That. Give us. Because if anything, the pandemic was the... Oh my God, if not, people still don't open their eyes after the pandemic or during the riots, during the summer of love, yeah, then, yeah. I mean, there's nothing would, you know, how many people in California, in California, we're doing huge lines and everything to buy farms because 
all the crazy stuff that was happening down there and, and like that in many other states. So, yeah, it's uh, like I always say, maybe one day today, maybe next month, maybe next year, maybe in the next five years, you don't think you need that. Right. But the day you do is right there. You just never know. Life goes, a communities change. You know, you, you may right now live in a very good neighborhood. You don't know what's going to happen next year or so. Um, you know, having those rights and the fact that we have it, the fact that we have it, it's, it's a testament of what the founding fathers envisioned, not only for us as a community, but as, of us as a future, our future as a, as a country to maintain the integrity of our country. And, and I think that we have, uh, I think we have a responsibility to an extent, you know, we, we hit on the education, obviously being super important. And with the millions of new firearm owners that we've brought through the, through COVID and the pandemic and the lockdowns and, and the summer of love, as you mentioned and everything else, I think we have a responsibility to put out some education to help those people that have bought their first firearm that maybe have never had any type of, of education or training, or maybe they're not even thinking about that to understand that, okay, now you have this tool, you have this, this item now learn about it. Now, not yes. only, not only how to use it and use it properly, but also your rights that guarantee that you can keep it. Right. Right. Def most definitely, you know, and, and only, you know, not only for the, you know, for them to defend themselves correctly, but for their own safety. You know the safety of their families you know uh mishandling a firearm is can be as dangerous as not knowing how to drive and just turning on the car and go Correct. forward you know uh and so yes safety uh education training are key elements but at the, but at the same time this is what you know the struggle i see in most people is it's almost like they in in general i'm saying when i say they politicians or uh, those people who push for gun control they tr they want to treat the rest of the, the the population as if we are all ignorant as if we're children that we need to have you know this oversight father tell me oh no you need to do this you need to do that no we we are responsible adults don't treat me like a kid i know you know if i have a, a pool i need to be aware if i have small children that there is some it is a hazard if i have right. firearm i know there's a danger i have knives in my kitchen that's why I teach my children how not to touch the knives, but I still am aware of that hazard. Um, and so as an adult, we know those, those issues. Sometimes they think of society as if, oh, no, there are a bunch of irresponsible people. Or um, and my thought is like, oh, so you think you are above everybody else? You think that you think better than everyone else? No. I mean, the vast majority of citizens understand the danger what is dangerous, what is being responsible, and what is not being responsible. And so um, I think when people start thinking that way, <laughs> we'll be in a better place, not only for the Second Amendment, but for all the rights. Because people think, you know, oh, no, the Constitution is only Second Amendment now. <laughs> it goes all across, okay? Yeah. There's much to talk about it, but that could be a conversation for another day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, Ozzy has called us out a little bit. And, and my apologies. I, I, I know that I misspoke. And I, a lot of firearm owners, a lot of 2 people do this pretty regular. Uh, he said the Second Amendment doesn't give us the right. It recognizes and protects the right. So, mm -hmm. And awfully often we say, oh, the Second Amendment gives me the right. No, 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 no. It protects that right. Right. God. God give us the right. So, 
that is how that works. So my apologies to Ozzy. We will set that record <laughs> straight. Um, so we've got a couple of questions out there that yes. came in early. So we'll get to them uh, from Woods. The first one uh, here, he says, um, who inspired you? Who inspires you to become a two-way activist? Are there people that uh, haven't inspired you to go on the journey of your own? Well, um, I would say that when I came to the United States, like I said, I didn't know anything about the Second Amendment. It, to me, it was just, you know, a privilege. That's how I was raised. And when I came here and I learned that, I went to the gun range in Miami, and I think I saw a pamphlet and was like, what is this? And I kept reading about it. I was like, wow, this is amazing. I wish people around the world would be able to do that, to have that right or believe in that it's a right, <clears throat> right? So after Top Shot, and all this time I always thought about, I was I, I, because of my experience in Venezuela with socialism, I'm always deviate from it. Okay. So uh, every time they talk about with uh, Obama, talk about certain ideas and gun control, I was like always against it. But Top Shot was the venue. I mean, I would say the venue. Top Shot was, gave me the opportunity. Right. Because people already got to know me as Gabby Franco, the shooter, the person, which it to me was very important to highlight who I am uh, in the show. Um, and so once I came out to the world, like, okay, here's this girl that can, apparently can shoot and, and, and all this stuff, I was able to talk to uh, organizations and I say, hey, I have some thoughts. <laughs> I have some opinions. Would you mind if I share my opinions in your in your you know in your platform? And they were very open when they listened a little about me. So I would say nobody necessarily motivated me other than the Second Amendment itself and its importance and its um the its value compared to what I didn't have. You know, I always, I, I used to say I don't say that anymore, but I used to say you know that saying that says you don't know what you have until you lose it, mm -hmm. right? In my case, it was like I didn't know what I was missing until I found it. So I used to say that on my, on my beginnings, like I didn't know what, what was it until I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I thought it was important to, 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 to talk about it. Right. Uh, we're coming up on the uh, top of the hour. Thanks for all the questions, all of the uh, uh, comments and everything else out there in the live chat. Do appreciate it. Um, before we get out of here, Gabby, let's have a little fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you two choices. Oh my goodness. Here. And, uh, <laughs> and I want you to pick one. It doesn't matter, but, uh, Thanks. you gotta, you gotta pick one. Okay. So let, let's start out with this one. Do you prefer to carry inside the waistband or outside the waistband? Inside. Um, do you prefer to read a real book or a digital book? Man, I'm torn on that. But if I had to prefer, I would say a real book. A real book. Okay. Uh, had you rather go fishing or hunting? Uh, my husband says I don't have much patience for fishing and I'm ready to go on <laughs> my first hunt. So I would say hunting. <laughs> I hear I, with fishing. I hear that a lot from, from guys <laughs> that the women are not patient enough. Um. <clears throat> Do you prefer pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Uh, French fries or tater tots? French fries. 
Would you rather have a monster truck or a race car? Race car. Uh, would you? Which would you enjoy riding more, a horse or a motorcycle? A horse. A horse. Okay. I I I, I figured horse was going to be your answer on that. <laughs> <laughs> I love horses. You don't look like a biker chick. I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't bike, but I love horses. <laughs> right, right. Um, so uh, before we get out of here, um, where could people find you, follow you, pay attention to what you're doing, keep tabs on your recovery process, all of yes. that good stuff? So you guys can follow me on my website, GabbyFranco.com. Um, also on most often I'm on Instagram, which is Gabby, G-A-B-B-Y, Franco, T-S-4, which goes by Top Shot 4. Um, the same thing is for Twitter. I'm on YouTube as Gabby Franco and LinkedIn. And LinkedIn is pretty cool because I battle with all those smart people. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I argue with those smart people, but it's very cool. And obviously Facebook. So I'm pretty much the most, the most common platforms. I don't do uh, TikTok, by the way. Nope, not TikTok. Oh, I lost you. There we go. Okay, uh -huh. I'm back. I'm back now. Uh, yes, I'm too old for TikTok is what I said, I think. I think that's the something for the kids nowadays. But uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking with us. Appreciate it. Uh, as okay. always, you know, you're welcome back anytime. If there's things you, you need to talk about, you need to get the word out, just let me know. And we'll uh, we'll bring you into a show. Thank you so much for having me. And you know what? Just because I always do it, I'm going to do like a little... Oh, you're going to do a selfie with it. You're going to break the internet with that. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, th I think we just broke the internet, folks. So, uh, yeah, for those in audio, Gabby just took a selfie with the podcast here. So, uh, yeah. Uh, always fun. Always a pleasure. Gabby, yeah. Thank, thank, thank you, you for having much. me. Such a, such a fun time. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and all the questions. I love it. And for, uh, for those out there uh, watching this live, that is going to, if I can get this fixed, bam, there it is. Um, that is going to do it for uh, us here on this episode. Tomorrow, if you are joining live uh, out there, we've got Kyle with Anderson going to be in the house talking about all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, and again, a big thanks to uh, MTM Case Guard, who powers the podcast here. Uh, go check out all that cool stuff. MTMCase-Guard.com. Use code CloverTAC. You'll save 10% if you decide to pick up some cool stuff over there. Uh, that's going to uh, do it for this one. Until next time, don't forget, though, to chain fire freedom. We appreciate the Patreon patrons and YouTube channel members who keep these podcasts going. If you're looking for cool stickers, patches, and other gear, be sure to check out CloverTac.com. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the CloverTac Podcast.